Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. It's so good to have you here today, and thank you for being here, and you and your families, and those on the line as well, we welcome you too. And we're grateful for this time as we've been going through the book of Genesis, your pastors. I'm John Adams, one of the pastors, and grateful to serve you by opening God's word, his holy word today. And as we uh, continue our series, I I was uh, reading and and looking at a a song this week that kind of summed up some of our struggles that we have with the topic where God's word has us today. And it's a song from the group Alabama, and it goes, it's, uh, the title is, I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Have you got, do you know that song? Okay, some of you do, our country fans, yeah. All right, good for you. Okay, but it goes this way. I'm, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and I rush until life's no fun. All I really gotta do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. I don't know why. You know what? I can really relate to those lyrics. I can actually hear my my dad in my ear saying, son, slow down. (laughs) Because my life, I've been always, uh, you know, kind of on the outside, like "Mm, going fast, get it done, go hard. And I think inside, I've struggled with that restlessness of being in a hurry. And I've had to learn, and I'm growing in this today, in this whole idea of, How do you rest in God in the midst of the craziness of this world? And and by the way, I'm not alone because I know when I ask people how you're doing, you know, I get 90% of the time I get three answers. The first answer is, how am I doing? Is the first answer is fine, which really means an acronym for fouled up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I'm fine. But uh, secondly, after that, what's the second answer? I'm okay. Well, I'm stressed. stressed. I'm busy. I'm stressed. I'm, I'm tired. Those are kind of two answers two and three. I'm busy and I'm tired. And I hear that all the time. And I think that so many of us are just dealing with it because it's a, I mean, it's so refreshing when you have someone say, I'm just feeling joyful or, or uh, encouraged. Or you can just see they're, they're resting in the Lord, no matter what their circumstances really are. So today we're going to be looking at this whole idea of uh, so many of us in our culture are busy. And I think busyness is probably the number one issue we deal with in this community of struggle for people to know God and to just grow in intimacy with him and with their family and with one another. It's a tough thing. And it's not an, there's not a simple formula or an easy answer. But God's word gives us really good directions on how to address the busyness and the restlessness that we struggle with. So we're going to look at, first of all, what's the problem that we're facing? And we've kind of already said it is, uh, you know, busyness cuts out and causes problems with our time with the Lord our intimacy in our relationships, and our being able to be just satisfied. 
and enjoy life. And, um, and then we, some of us find ourselves, because of busyness, we find ourselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically just worn out. And, and we need some help because we were created to rest. And our created has designed for us by the way he create, even created the world a plan and a scheme for us to rest in him. As, as image bearers, we are to follow him and imitate him. And we're going to see today that as we ask this question just from, from the beginning is, what is a heart rest or a soul rest? And here's, here's the way I'm defining it. It's cease striving and trusting God's saving work and imitating his rest. You know, it's not just doing nothing. <laughs> we take seriously like the living God that even after he rested, he was still providential, involved intimately with his creation. But he rested. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and what that means. But as we, uh, as image bearers, as we rush around and we're just busy people. And listen, consciously or unconsciously, we're really um, communicating one of two messages to our kids, to our uh, spouses, to our friends and our families, to those who, if you're a Christ follower, to those who are not Christians. We're communicating either something like people are either seeing your striving and <laughs> they see you doing that and people notice that. Or they see you resting, resting. And it, it's, that's a different thing. And they notice that too. But whatever you're doing, you're leaning towards, towards being busy, striving. See, you don't get a word for that, and no one really enjoys that, honestly. And you don't enjoy that. And so today, we want to grow in resting as God rested. Um, and before we do, we look into that. Uh, I read uh, a few years ago a great book. I'd recommend it's by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless elimination of hurry and he has one observation about the western world he says this he says uh, in essence summing it up he says about the western world we are or they are too alive to die and too dead to live man ouch doesn't that hurt and and gang a, a lot of us are like that if we're really honest it's hard to admit but we can kind of fall into that. And that's the problem. But what's God's solution? Well, we're going to go to his word today and see what he teaches us from Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. And I just remind you, as our pastors do each week, that this is God's holy word. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day... God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Amen. So uh, this could feel like... Uh, ordinary verses, but God has a powerful message for our hearts because he's going to, he's asking each one of us, honestly, I rested. Will you, you see, God rested the creator of the universe. And will you rest as an image bearer as he rested? 
And to kind of look at this whole passage, we're going to look at three key words today. And they are these words of what God did on the seventh day. It says he finished, he rested, and he blessed. First of all, let's look at that word, he finished, all the work. Verse uh, Verse 31 of chapter 1, we saw this last week, that when God finished all his creation, he looked at it and he was like, wow, this is very good. He, for the first time, he declared a very good statement in Scripture. And he was satisfied with his creation. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Everything in the world, the heavens and the earth, were completed at the end of the sixth day. Isn't that amazing? Including the moon. How about that moon last night? <laughs> and the sun and the stars. The hosts are describing these bodies, these billions of bodies of, of stars and planets and the galaxies that we can hardly even comprehend and get our head around. And it says that he finished it. And this word finished appears in verse uh, number one and two. And in the verse two, it, the word finished is actually in the active voice in the verb form. And it means this. It was God, God, the uncreated creator who completed all the work of creation. God completes the work we need. And he does this consistently throughout history. Think about creation. I mean, he completed creating everything in six days by the word of his power, Tim reminded us a few weeks ago. And, and out of nothing. And it was powerful. I mean, only God could do this. And he finished the work and he rested. Okay, so he finishes that. He completes work. And then what happens? What do we do as image bearers? Well, Adam and Eve... They soon fell into sin. They made a choice to be like God. And by the way, if you and I were there, we would do the same. And, and they, will, they themselves then had their brokenness of relationship with each other and with God. So what does God do? He says, I'm going to come. He, 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 predict, he prophesies and that's his promises in Genesis 3.15, a promise that he'll send Someone to break the curse in essence and to bring grace to our hearts. That's my summary paraphrase of that verse. And, and we see that Jesus, centuries later, the very perfect son of God, who was, by the way, the creator with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. <laughs> Jesus comes to this world and he lives a perfect life. And when he hung on the cross, some of his last words he said were, it is finished. It is finished. Isn't it amazing how God does all the work we need? He not only does the work in creation, he does the work in recreation, or what we call redemption, where he comes and gives us the means if we have faith in him and his son and his, his son's death and we trust his work, we're in relationship with God. Hallelujah. Um, by the way, just a quick word of praise. Uh, Todd, Roscoe, and prayer. Todd was telling me this morning, he, he, Trevor was playing on the piano. And just pray for them because his 
wife Anne's mother in Thailand last night in the middle of the night uh, died. But here's the good news. Um, just, just recently, she was in Thailand and had a different faith from Christianity, but Todd told me that Anne was able to lead her to know Jesus. She's with God. It's sad, it's hard. But thanks be to God for his recreation of Todd's mother-in-law and her heart before she <laughs> passed away. And then, so there's creation, he finishes the work, recreation. But then in the end of history, future, we know Christ says, I will come and restore all things. Look, anyone struggling with busyness or brokenness of sin or just hurt, pain, deaths, sickness, financial work issues, family issues, relational things, you deal with any of that? I know you do, because I'm what I know you do. We look forward in faith to that day where there will be no more tears and we will be made perfect and we'll be renewed like they were in, in the garden. Image bearers completely restored to perfection to know God and in intimacy, not to be God, but to, as his creation forever, enjoy him and one another. I can't wait till that day. That's going to be a great day. So, all of it is his work. He finishes. And listen, he, this God is, is just an amazing, amazing Lord that does this all on the seventh day. He finished the work he had done. Verses 2 and 3 says that he actually goes to rest. Let's look at it. And on the seventh day, God finished his work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, I'm kind of an old guy, and, and if I go work out or if I have a long day at work, pastorally, and I get home, and after dinner, I'm ready to pretty much shut down, <laughs> go to bed, you know, um, but the great news is, um, our God never slumbers nor sleeps. Even the best of pastors or mentors in your life lose energy. <laughs> but he, I, Isaiah 40, 28 says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Psalm 121.3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He doesn't just nod off or run out of steam. He has this unceasing energy and strength to continue. And he's watching over you every moment of your day. Even when you're sleeping, God is caring for you. What a God. What a personal God. He's not just a God who's powerful in all his creation and creating what we are talking about. He's so personal. And we need to stop striving and say, God, I trust you. I can rely on your work because you finish things, even though I don't always finish or can't complete certain things. 
You finish everything you start. By resting, you see, God, in essence, asks you and me this question. I rested, will you? God's work, as we see in this passage here, is to three things, finish, rest, and thirdly, to bless. This is his final action that we see in the seventh day. Look at verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Now, why did he bless the seventh day? He not only completed all the work in six days, but he knew that you and I needed to spiritually rest and rely on him and cease striving. So in verse 3, we see for the first time that he says uh, the word, he uses the word holy in the Bible. This word holy means to be set apart or to be different. Now, it's not different like someone who you, you know, you, who's a little bit quirky or who's holier than thou, and you kind of say, that person's a little different. No, this is a difference you, you want. You want to delight in this difference because this difference is God's holiness that he brings and he wants to grow us in seeing how holy he is and reflecting this holiness to others. It's interesting here, Moses, the human author of Genesis, repeats the seventh day three times in verses two and three. Why does he do that? Because it symbolizes the threefold repeating, like when he says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's saying, he's saying in essence, God is perfect. And here when he says the seventh day, the seventh day, the seventh day, he's saying the seventh day is actually perfect. It was the perfect day. You know, you, you go out here today, pretty good fall day in a hot Atlanta, right? We'd say, this is, you could be walking with your spouse. Sometimes I've said to Lizanne, this feels like the perfect day. But the seventh day was the perfect day. It was the perfect day. And, and there in it, because he wanted to teach us to be, to Look to him and his work and to rest as he rests. Again, here uh, um, as we see the first time God instructs us image bearers to cease work in the Sabbath is in Exodus chapter 16. Now you remember in, in Exodus 16, the people of Israel, they were you know, out of Egypt. Now they're wandering in the wilderness for years. There was no food, so God sends manna miraculously from the heavens. What were they supposed to do with the manna every day? It was gather just enough for one day, right? Except for the sixth day, they were instructed to take twice as much. Why? Because on the Sabbath of the seventh day, they were to rest and not even gather, not to do this work. And this was going to be a pattern God is teaching his people forever, not just for Israel. And so <laughs> that's what they did. And then we see in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, the fourth of ten commandments is, verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, <clears throat> I've listened to a lot of sermons on rest, and there's, I mean, I know in the body of Christ, there's a lot of confusion on this whole idea of Sabbath. And, but listen, this commandment is still as much a commandment 
This is the day that God gave it to Israel. There aren't nine commandments, and then this one is like gone. We're going to explain that in just a moment. Or the, the commandments that we find in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 are not the ten suggestions. These, these are moral commandments God has given to help bless us and enjoy him and one another of how to live well, and it all points to his grace. So in the New Testament, what do we see about applying this Sabbath commandment? It's, uh, Jesus teaches that the Sabbath is a gift to us, to, from God to man. Uh, in Mark 2, 27 and 28, he, sa he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Does that verse say the Sabbath ends? Does it? No, it does not. It says he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Yes, he's God over it. Yes, he directs us today how we can live in it and love it and not just, you know, just do stuff, religious things. But it's the Lord who's over it. And he's instructing us for our good, for our benefit and blessing to really embrace the Sabbath. And so... Uh, further on, we see in Hebrews that the importance of image bearers growing and trusting God and his finished work on the Sabbath. We see this in Hebrews 4, 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Are, are you resting from your works as God did? That's what he wants for you. He wants you to grow in this because he wants to bless you. He wants to refresh you. He wants your heart to be satisfied in him and him alone. So, what does the Sabbath look like for us today? Now, this is where we start to get into, like, honestly, this is, we need to keep it. We need to obey it. We need to live it. But how you do it, honestly, is going to look different from every person for every family in this church. And we need to be okay to be led by the Lord and his direction on how to keep the Sabbath. Because um, <clears throat> immediately when you hear about a Christian Sabbath, a 24-hour day of rest, you may be thinking, oh, what can I do or what can I not do? And if you're thinking that way, you've kind of missed the point of, of the Sabbath. The Pharisees, remember, were people who added all these rules. They made it super hard. They raised the bar. How do you keep the Sabbath? And they had literally hundreds of laws, human-made laws added so that you had to follow these things to keep the, the, that day of rest. And almost so that people couldn't do it. But God doesn't want to just pile up more things to do or rules to keep, though he wants you to rest and he wants you to obey keeping the Sabbath. Here, there's the balance. The question is, is, is you know, again, God rested, will you and I rest? Or you're, you're maybe thinking you're a young family, and man, as an empty nester, you could say, John, well, John and Lizanne, 
They don't have kids. They don't have all these responsibilities. And that's true. And so we're praying for you with young kids and older kids. It's not easy. And just with obligations that you're facing. But listen, well, the question is, is not just, you, don't say, well, I just can't do it. It's impossible. Please do this. Today or this week, if you're married, get with your spouse and pray together. Lord, how do you want us to keep the Sabbath? To keep it holy. And Lord, Lord, God, whatever you say, we're going to do. Now, if you do that, God will direct you. He will speak to you if you listen. And he'll give you the, the direction on how you can keep the Lord's day, the Sabbath. You know, just like the Lord were to cease one day in a week from our ordinary work, I know this is hard to do. And um, so let me give you some, some principles to follow here. First of all, cease striving. This is the big one. Our hearts are restless, Augustine said, until they find their rest in thee. But even as Christians, our hearts can strive. And we have to constantly say, Lord, I'm trusting you and your work. Lord, you are the great creator, recreator, and restorer of all things. You finish things in complete work, and I can trust you. And we, so we look to, by faith, to Jesus, who became our substitute. We've talked about that. And... We're trusting his work to bring us into this restored relationship with God and to teach us by his Holy Spirit how do we live on the, on the Sabbath. Now, what is the Sabbath today? I believe that from the rest of the New Testament teaching that the resting one day in seven, the Christian Sabbath is the Lord's day. And you might remember after Jesus rose from the dead, on the first day of the week, God shifted the Sabbath for Christians in the church to from the seventh day to the first day. And so today, it's, this is the one imperative, and this is where I don't want you to get hung up. Because now I'm going to say something you need to do. Because God's word says this. But we need to be here together. We need to, we need a consistent commitment to Lord's Day worship. And so, fundamentally, I mean, God's words says this, and we can go to a lot of scriptures, but don't forsake the assembling together of one another in Hebrews 10 for just one. So, as I say this, now, beyond that, and by the way, um, we need to be consistent in our coming. And Consistent isn't just one Sunday a month. It's, consistent is, is when you can be here, be here. And when you can, need to be online, and there's cases with traveling and sickness, you need to be online. That's, that's okay. And now God is not trying to make you feel guilty about the rest of the day. Because the rest of the day and how you practice when you go out these doors is all going to be different. So here are a few suggestions that I have that I've, that I've just So first of all, uh, what, what I try to do on my, well, 
Sabbath, and I'll talk about that in a second. But here's a few suggestions for you. It's first of all, just take, um, some people like to light a candle at the beginning and the end of the Lord's day as a, as a kind of a moment to remember, to say, this day is holy. Lord, would you, the light of my life, would you be praised and worship this Lord's day? That would be a great, that would be a great tradition to pursue. Secondly, uh, you might want to get rid of technology or take a few hours off today. <clears throat> and again, um, what I do on f- Fridays, which is my Lord's Day, and let me interject this for a second. <laughs> uh, in, um, in the Westminster Confession, it says in chapter 60, Shorter Catechism, it talks about the Sabbath, that the Lord's Day, that we should stop and cease from work except for works of necessity and mercy. Now, what does that mean? In brief, it means pastors, um, healthcare workers, firemen, policemen, people that are needed in our culture to work on the Lord's Day have to work. So what I do is and uh, take the Fridays as my day of rest. Yes, I'm worshiping, I'm here, right? But it's really a, a work day for me. But I try to limit my technology on Sundays, or Fridays, excuse me, I do play golf often with this guy right here. My dad, 90 years old, still hits it a long way. Good job. But I also try to come home and and just enjoy walks or prayer time and and, um, develop some, read some more, enjoy God and friends. Again, all these things, there's freedom in all this. But it's good for us to get some practices to say, what do we do on the Lord's Day? Now, for the rest of y'all, there aren't pastors or healthcare workers, et cetera. Again, this is the Lord's Day. And I'd encourage you as you go home today, maybe you think about, let's go take a walk with our family. Let's go. Have you ever thought of prayer walking your neighborhood and just together with someone or by yourself? Silently or out loud, just just praying as the Lord leads you for your neighbors. Praising God for the time. Or taking some extra time to read his word and reflect on it. Or asking the Lord to help you create a new family tradition on the Lord's Day. This is all, you're free on however you do this. But just simply ask the Lord what he wants you to do on the Lord's Day and do it. And this is just such a beautiful thing. He wants to come and give your heart rest. I, I close with a, a scripture from, from just Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Probably a lot of you know. Jesus said this, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and you will find rest. You will find rest, rest for your soul. We are here today to come to Jesus in worship, in the word, in encouraging one another in fellowship and in the sacraments today. So as we come to the Lord's Supper, if you'll put, uh, Vuano, the question, what is keeping you from trusting God and resting in him? I'd ask that you ask this question as we come to the Lord's table 
you repent of your sins, your distractions, and ask him in his freedom and his Holy Spirit's direction to lead you in this. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.